Where do you go for comics new and old? Uh, garage sales? Wrong! Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? Uh, in magazines, mostly. Wrong again! And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Well, there are lots of different options if you're looking for something... <laughs> so incredibly wrong! Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. Meet Star Trek star William Shatner and Hellboy's Ron Perlman July 13th through the 15th in Boise, Idaho. Then meet Gotham stars Robin Lord Taylor and Sean Pertwee August 3rd through the 5th in Winston-Salem. Then meet Guardian stars Dave Bautista and Palm Clementia and the Winter Soldier Sebastian Stan August 23rd through the 26th in Chicago, Illinois. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CANDAIR at checkout. No space. (laughs) To get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? The, The internet? Oh, good answer. Really? No! Wizard World Comic Con! Go to wizardworld.com for tickets. Well, dudes, Michelangelo here from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original one! Yeah, and you are listening to Candare Podcast. It happens to be a tribute to comics and pop culture like yours truly, Cowabunga! Everyone and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I am Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today to talk about the third issue of his comic Prometheus, having just been successfully funded on Kickstarter, we welcome comic creator and American darling Ryan Little. Thanks so much for being with us, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you. American Darling, not a Russian American Darling spy. <laughs> All right. In our retro roundtable today, we're going to be taking a look at side characters that should have their own films. This That's fertile ground, and I'm pretty sure most of what we discuss will end up being a movie within the next five years. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> that's probably true. But I was having trouble with this one, so I'm anxious to see what you guys uh, all came up with. Then we're going to uh, swing open the door to the comic vault. Guys, what do we have? Eat more bikes. It's a, a simple little comedy webcomic, sticks to the four-panel format, the fourth always being wildly off the wall, <laughs> and I love it. You're good at picking these things. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited I've got here. a particular set of you know preferences when it comes mm-hmm. to comedies. Jack, what about you? Mine is the one that made us change the segment to the comic vault. Hmm? Preacher. Oh, that's right, because... Um, Valentino, was that his name? He didn't want to dump on it because he thought it was we were talking about dumping. Oh yes, 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 little yes. Language barrier. Fix, yes, but good yeah. times. How did you put it? What did he say? It's a very good comment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to dump on it. <laughs> he was such a cool guy, though. Yeah. So cool. So a few of the things we'll be talking about there. Then we're going to turn our full attention over to Ryan and talk about the third issue of Prometheus. But before we do all that. Jake, 
Twitter and Instagram. The twin beating hearts of Pandare in a very poor analysis. That's the truth. My God, is that yeah. ever the truth? If you ever look at our like ratings of where top downloads come from, it's like one building of Twitter and then nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> so... That being the case, it would sure mean the world to us if you went down to Twitter and followed us. We are at CannedAirPod, and on Instagram, we are at Canned underscore Air. That's where you can get all the news, episodes, funny pictures, moving pictures. GIFs are good. Everybody likes those. If you pronounce it GIF, you don't need to listen to the show. You need to leave the state and the country <laughs> and not speak to anyone. Uh, also... If you're attending a Wizard World convention in the nearest future, use promo code CANDAIR to save a cool 10%. That is lowercase, no space. This is true. And, you know, I just want to remind our listeners that we are, you know, in other places other than just iTunes and on Twitter. You can find us on iHeartRadio, yeah. Player FM, uh, Google Play. If you have a Google Home, all you have to do is say, well, I'm not going to say it because in mine, <laughs> oh, shit, see it? Music to my ears. Uh, they already turned on, but you can ask that thing over there to play the show, and it will. It will. Doot, doot, playing kind air. <laughs> We're on all formats, so check us out uh, anywhere you're listening. I guess that's kind of stupid if they're already hearing this. Anyway, let's just get on. Continue with the... to do this. <laughs> let's just get into the retro roundtable. <laughs> do it. Do it. Come on. I'm here. Come on. Do it now. <laughs> Taste bad. All right, guys. Side characters that should have their own films. I want to start with Ryan on this one. Ryan, character should have its own film. Yeah, so I, uh, I ended up breaking these in the kind of two categories, which were original movies and then franchises, a.k.a. Star Wars characters that should have their own movies. <laughs> um, but my, my number one by far was uh, Colin Firth's character from Kingsman. Oh, dude, excellent choice. Yeah, that movie really, I I find that movie to be surprisingly divisive. I love that movie, and some people are happy to fan out with me, and then some people hate my guts for mentioning how much I love that movie. No, I uh, love the hell out of it. Who is he, Galahad? Galahad, yeah. Okay. How could anybody not like that? Yeah. Yeah. The second one was good. I still haven't seen the second one yet, but but the first was freaking awesome. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, the first one's great. I'd be very um, down with that. That'd be fan. He could absolutely carry that movie. He was the best part of the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I didn't care about Eggsy. No. <laughs> I think James, Not I his think family. James Bond almost belongs or functions better in a period piece, too. So if it was young Colin Firth, we'd probably, we'd probably be in mid to late 70s oh, yeah. or early 80s, which I think would be a lot more fun that as would well. That would be cool. Yeah, you know that's something. Um, you, you just said James Bond works better in a in an earlier time setting, and I think that's that's very true. Uh, nowadays, you know, as I don't know, he's so much of a Casanova, and kind of the way he would yeah. come on and treat and talk to women. It's not a very acceptable there, uh, thing nowadays. There are a lot of the cool things about James Bond are very dated concepts. Yeah, espionage is a right. really different thing. They're not going to have some highly trained dude in the field gathering all this intel. There's going to be a team of sweaty cyber technicians in a warehouse somewhere hacking emails. Yeah, right. the gentleman spy right. is over now. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just need to rejuvenate it. Maybe somehow, James Bond 2.0 or something. I don't know. This time they he's gotta figure fat out in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> 
think we just got to figure out what the tone is. There's some of these modern movies where I think the villains are all the villains are all just like people in tasteful wardrobe with like con- like connections to illicit like government spy operations. It all comes back to like government spy operations and floppy disks or like DVDs with intel on them. Like I'm not I'm not saying the laser satellites were what made James Bond fun, <laughs> but somewhere along the way they just found they just stopped finding interesting things for their villains to do. Yeah. And I think just for some reason that 70s, 80s landscape, you can do whatever the hell you want, and it just works for some reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sky's the limit in that kind of thing. You could really feel the separation of where that started to not work in the Pierce Brosnan uh, movies. Mm, yeah. Some of the things in those movies, like even like watching them in the theater, was like, oh, okay, come on. Get the last two out there. Yeah. Back up a little bit. But, um, I mean, Die Dothernay doesn't count. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I haven't seen those in forever, but I remember them, you know, watching them back in the day. They were entertaining. I just can't imagine that they've held up in I the slightest. I don't think they very well, yeah. No, no, not at all. And I haven't seen no, them. No, that Cheryl Crow theme song just keeps getting worse, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't imagine, uh, or excuse me, I haven't seen the new ones either. Are they any good? Um, Spectre, I thought, was a little disappointing. I don't, what was the first one? Casino Royale was that the first Casino Royale? Yep, that's what I've seen. I've seen that one. I enjoyed Casino Royale. I kept falling asleep, man. Like it's it's not action packed. Yeah, yeah. That's how James Bond always was, though. It wasn't. There's a good chase. There was a good balance, though. There's a good balance of action and uh... Casino Royale was good. Quantum of Solace, I don't think anyone remembers. (laughs) But uh, I thought Skyfall was very good because they just made him Batman, and that's always good. Hmm. You know what's amazing is that you know what so uh, Casino Royale was a very stripped down, kind of no nonsense uh, James Bond movie, and the reason it was like that is because they delayed Bond movies for I think six years because of how successful Austin Powers was. Oh, they just, oh they, no they, kidding! Yeah, they. Just, I mean, Austin Powers is a billion dollar franchise, isn't that crazy? Austin it is Powers crazy. Is a, I heard they might um, be but yeah, they back. just. Oh, there's no way they don't bring that guy back. I'm just sad that. Uh, <laughs> Austin Powers 3 and, and Wayne's World 3 aren't the same movie. <laughs> yeah. That's my dream threequel. It's just bring it all. Just give me all my favorite Mike Myers VHS tapes in one big movie. Yeah, I those movies, at least for me, did not age well. I mean, at all. I, I think no, they Wayne's World aged better than Austin Powers. Oh, no, excuse me. Wayne's World I adore. Okay. I love that film. Um, but Austin Powers it's, movies. It's a little rough. It's a little rough. A little rough. I don't know. I, I can't see him doing another one. I, I know I've heard the same rumors you're speaking of, <laughs> but I can't see it. I can't see it. Now, another Shrek, undoubtedly, Please, we'll no. probably no, see that. Yeah. Keeps oh. pumping that shit out. Though There's a lot of people who adore Shrek, and I've got nothing against Shrek. It was very entertaining, very cleverly done. But If they had like, stopped at two movies, yeah. The fourth one's unreal. The one when he has a midlife crisis and time travels. What? I think I think it was Shrek Four. Is yeah, he has a midlife crisis. So the movie is that he he accidentally, not quite like uh, it's a wonderful life himself, but close. Where like he makes it so he never fell in love with her or whatever because he's like missing being a bachelor. That's what. Uh, and then he has to obviously fix it and correct the time stream. But that's what Shrek Forever After is. 
Are you fucking with us? They've right really now? zeroed in on what <laughs> no, the kids no, want. No, I, I got sucked into that on a date. I uh, trust me, I did not want to see that, and I had to pay for both tickets. So I was extra grumpy when I was Damn. leaving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like thirty That's bucks true. back then was like a lot of comic books. Yeah. Instead, it was two hours wow. and eight minutes of Shrek wondering if he could still get it with the ladies if he was single with the boys. Ugh. I know you poor bastard. Miserable. <laughs> wow. But, but uh, speaking of good uh, mid two thousands comedies, I also gave honorable mention. Um, and this one, I think, because he really has the chops to pull it off. I would love to see uh, Downey's character Kirk Lazarus from Tropic Thunder get his own movie. Oh, absolutely! That would be, yes, good that would be awesome. He that you know that movie again is um, I think it's pretty underrated for how good it is, and it's a it's a pretty well made movie like. I didn't see Platoon until after I saw Tropic Thunder, and then I thought <laughs> Tropic Thunder was ten times funnier. <laughs> do you think they could um, do but that? Man, Downey, like um, you make know, that, it's, make him a spotlight character with you know uh, his obvious gimmick being what it is. Well, by the end of the movie, he's not in blackface anymore. He's back in his Aussie New Zealand look. Like he's. Well, I know, but you're like, not going to pick up the show like after the funniest shit he's done is over. You know, they're they're going to focus on that wouldn't they be yeah i think you'd have to pick yeah i think you'd have to pick some other foil for him like there's some other part that he like somehow tropic thunder became the monument in his life and it wasn't really his movie like somehow it overshadowed all his oscars or something so what is the part that he takes to try to like make his one like like daniel day lewis wants to go out on top mm-hmm. so he does like lincoln or whatever what is the movie that kirk lazarus takes that he completely dives into gandhi um yeah loses oh, tons I'm of weight <laughs> <laughs> cast away or something like yeah same thing you'd have to model it after some movie whatever any of those insane transformation parts are or like he tries to do like i don't know like bridget jones and gandhi at the same time or something something crazy like that <laughs> so he's just constantly gaining and losing weight or i don't know maybe maybe model him after christian bale at that point but i just thought daniel was so good and so dialed in um and they have that the tone of that whole world i thought was just so funny too um that ben stiller character was such a even as crazy as he was by the end he was just kind of the flat hero that I w- i'd be happy for tug to just have a cameo and then uh <laughs> keep playing in that world some more i'm not the biggest ben stiller fan in the no, world but I, I liked him in that movie i thought it all came together nicely he annoys the ever-living shit out of me oh wow got some <laughs> got some serious opinions in the house tonight. i mean I, uh, wow i mean i don't hate the guy i got nothing against he just plays the exact same kind of yeah he doesn't have a lot of range no it's except for when he was uh zoolander i mean he was obviously very far apart from anything he's ever done but i actually don't care I much for mean, zoolander i don't either i could i mean it was kind of like <laughs> you know laugh but there's a david bowie cameo and i still can't watch them yeah, <laughs> that's hard for me to say <laughs> did you guys like heavyweights at all like I did what? like Heavyweights back in the day. Hev- yeah, yeah. I, I I thought Heavyweights was one of his better movies. To be honest, I think so. I think you're on to something there. You don't remember Heavyweights? Uh, the the, the fat fat camp? Camp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that yeah, in the fat theater. Camp movie. Did you really? I did. Nice. But I don't. How did it Look, come up? A deli meat. How did it come up though? I, ben I, Stiller's I'm, the bat. It's Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller's the villain in Heavyweights. I don't remember that. Really? really? No. He's the whole yeah, driving Tony Perkins. force. It's kind of like he's all done up like Hal from uh, Happy Gilmore. You don't really know it's him, but you can kind of tell it's him. The last time I saw it was in the theater. I mean, I do uh, not remember. I promise. <laughs> look up some, look up some clips because he. I think it's good because he's not the lead in it, so he really commits to the scenes that he's in, and you're not getting like beat over the head with Ben Stiller action the whole. Like you guys are saying that it's kind of that one note the whole time. 
Um, and man, it's just it's just a funny movie, man. That's uh, who wrote that too. That was a good comedian too. Wrote that movie. That's kind of like an anchor man when he comes over with the the Mexican TV station news guy. Yeah, that's right. Just enough. There's some decent cameos. In yeah, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give him that. <laughs> Jake, what do you got? I've got a really weird one. Uh, now I know this franchise is super dead because they made that movie with uh, Seth Rogen that bombed, but Green Hornet. You know, something that's not close to anyone's harder mind. What? Did you steal off my list? No. Seriously. Don't fucking tell me you want Kato to have yes! his own. Yes, I have that. Uh. I have Kato on my list. Son of a bitch. High five me. I would watch nice. the shit out of yeah, that. Yeah, how cool would that be? Because he was the most badass figure in that whole right. mythology. He's the one that did everything. Yeah. He definitely was. I'd love to see his backstory. Kato's origin. Yeah. How, what would you well, call that WB series? The... <laughs> Becoming Kato. There it is. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Oh, man. We'll think of something before. The man who would be Kato. <laughs> Lackluster, but yeah, we'll, well, we'll keep trying here. Keep it mysterious. Good pick, though. Thank you. Damn good pick. Good pick on you, friend. Thank you. I mean, I've only got four on my list, so you've really <laughs> so put a really dent in it. But... <laughs> Jack, what do you got? I was talking to Jake about this one at work, and I don't know if it would really go that far as being maybe a cooking show. But uh, Samwise Gamgee <laughs> from Lord of the Rings. Whoa. Cooking show? Yeah, Sam loves it, to cook. Yeah, it's, oh, it's making potatoes, potatoes and, and yeah. taters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I don't think I could watch that no. one. That would be yeah, pretty <laughs> no. boring, I think. Not a lot happening. Yeah. No matter what I just don't want to put that into the universe because, like, let's be honest, in the world of franchises, that's not impossible. It's right. Not out we're of gonna get a, We're going to get a decent Samwise Gamgee cooking movie before we get a good Green Lantern movie. I'm willing to put money on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, one that's always comes up on the show before that I just stand behind and will support is the Palpatine movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Palpatine prequel film. That just needs to happen. He is I, I the probably character shouldn't... that should have his own spinoff. Yes. And yet, the one who does not. Yeah. And probably never will now that Han Solo tanks so bad. But mm-hmm. what do you expect, Disney? God damn it! Right? Slow down. We can we, baby steps, <laughs> small bites. You know? Yeah. Uh, but how about Casey Jones? That'd be cool. I would love yeah, to see Casey Jones. He could hold it up. That mm-hmm. character. I'd, you know, I'd in the comic, the they actor. really started fleshing out his backstory because it was just kind of he was just you know street. Riff raff kind of dude that started hanging out with them. It was a vigilante on his own, but no. someone couldn't make it in the sports world, right? But um, in the latest comic series, they made it. Uh, they introduced a character by the name of Hun in the early two thousands, who was like Shredder's first in command, great big beefy dude. It was like the head of some gang, the Purple Dragons. And in this new comic series, they made it like that was his dad. It's like so they're like. Mm worlds apart you know one's mm. the leader of a gang one's doing everything yeah. he can to stop violence I think it'd be cool to see that upbringing and that journey into uh, rebellion the conflict you know. that ensues there. yeah that'd be nice. really cool turtleless Casey Jones yeah, comic yeah. throw a cameo in there you know whatever yeah. be aware of them but yeah if you listen Nickelodeon get the fuck off probably just be the Raph showing up <laughs> yeah. I would say I think yeah. right <clears throat> Ryan we're back to you sir I, so this is this would be I think like a sort of an out of time one, um, but I think if years ago if they'd had the chance, I, I think he was just I ended up kind of going through a mentors list is how I almost made this list. <laughs> I would have loved to see um, 
a Morpheus movie of him on his own. Oh, yeah. I, oh yeah. If, if, right. if, if, I, if I wanted to see another Matrix movie, I would like to see in the world where um, humanity fell to science, to machines, Morpheus is the man that suddenly finds his faith, and it's him having to illicitly dip into the Matrix to continue following this prophecy to find the Chosen One. Um, and watching Morpheus do it because he just, you know, all those scenes just choose scenery. Lawrence, basically, I just saw Ant Man and the Wasp, but Lawrence Fishburne is just so great in those movies. Yeah, that would be an um, amazing. I watch him dance. Even you know, even inside just a prequel movie or something, but like a prequel trilogy, like Morpheus's first experiences with the Matrix. Be awesome. and be, oh man, yeah, you got my mind real, and that's a good idea. I like. Yeah, that. well, they did. Um, I really liked. They did the Animatrix, that animated movie. Yeah, I remember um, that. Yeah. That it, it set up a kind of a cool way to make a, a prequel, and that that the whole, all of the Animatrix was about getting them the codes that led Morpheus to Neo. I believe I might be misspeaking, but I know it's basically there's a MacGuffin in the Animatrix, and you find out that that MacGuffin leads them to ten minutes. It's basically it's almost like the Rogue One thing again, where it leads you right before the catalyst that started whatever the first movie was. Um, but yeah, but flushing out Zion and that world of, of strapping in and, and them jumped into the Matrix, that's that's what I'd like to see more than, again, I, I think any modern Matrix movie is somehow going to end up being about the surveillance state or something else like that. And that's just not what the fun of the Matrix was the first time around for me. <laughs> and I'm really surprised they haven't tried to do a new one yeah. you know, since. Yeah. Um, well, they announced, uh, who was it? Michael B. Jordan was attached, wasn't he, for, for some sort of return to Matrix something or other? But I don't know if they're still waiting for a Hurricane Jupiter ascending to pass over. What if he was playing young Morpheus? Hey. He'd get behind that. Yeah. Uh, but that, so but, good. But this was post-Creed, so I, f- I have a bad feeling he's going to be Morpheus Jr. or Morpheus' son. Uh, I just, uh, I never like the sons. I never, I like never the do either. Yeah, no, me neither. Creed's close to the golden standard for me, but outside of that, I really can't think of a time where I was like, man, I was totally over like this, like Rambo. But as soon as I met Johnny Rambo, his plucky <laughs> son, I was back in for sure. Like it's never, I don't know why this is a cliche because it's it's never worked. You know, it's um, so funny that comes up. Um, I don't know if you guys remember from the. Early to mid '90s, a cartoon that used to be on before and after school, James Bond Jr. No, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to find the theme song and throw it in here. But my God, it's so funny how this worked out. We're talking about how the sons of the main characters <laughs> suck, and James Bond is yeah. already. I love it. I love it. But uh, yeah, that was a. Uh, I think all the show, all the villains had maybe kind of spin-off characters too. Like there was a version of Jaws, and I don't remember the other villains. I just remember Jaws because of the teeth, you know. What was it? Uh, I, uh, the guy that threw his hat. I can't remember. Odd job. Odd job. Odd job. Odd job. Oh, oh yeah, small he task. Was is that a cool. random task? Random task. Yeah. <laughs> show them more. <laughs> <laughs> a shoe. <Wow. laughs> 
I've got one that's a little on the nose. I don't know if it's too obvious, but assuming you could trim out some of some of the like more menial tasks, I think an Alfred movie has its place. Especially with, I don't know, you know, in the past they've always made it like, well, he has a mysterious background, but you never really see him do anything. I don't know. I'm just thinking of the Alfred in this Gotham the series. Gotham, yeah, definitely. And, and he's a little more action oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. Was, you'd make a, yeah. a strong Alfred movie as like the security specialist. That you know? would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, I can get behind that for sure. I would have never thought about that either. Really? Yeah, that's a good idea. I, I almost didn't say because I'm like, someone's going to beat me to it or think no, this is a cop-out answer. No, not at all. <laughs> and it's something I've, I'm always curious about, especially if you, like, in the animated series, they would occasionally have, like, an Alfred-heavy... I remember sure. there was an episode where he was summoned back by one of his old, uh, I don't know, the army buddy or what Cronies. kind of military they were in together <laughs> or you know, club, but... They were both captured, and they both had codes to some, you know, missile silo. Like, how did that happen? How did that ever come to be? You want to know. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Anyway. It'd be weird from him going from that kind of mysterious background to being a butler. Yeah. Well, we got to settle down sometimes, Jim. But then his father was a butler. That's like the classic, uh, that's like, it's like Shane. Did you ever see Shane? That's Hmm. like a classic Western kind of trope of uh, the gunslinger who tries to hang it up and there's almost like a whole cliche or Western formula that is this mysterious stranger comes to town, just wants to live as a rancher and like have a normal life and be surround. Like he doesn't have any family of his own just wants to live kind of enjoy small town, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then of course trouble comes knocking. So Shane is Shane's on AFI's top 100 movies. That's kind of the, the most successful one where there's this little boy who he, this guy, Shane comes up on the ranch. And he's like, Shane seems really cool. And Shane has, has all these cool tricks and like, kind of troll stuff like he's kind of good with gunplay or something but shane hates violence um and then finally when trouble comes knocking turns out shane was outlaw like gun toting you know every westworld badass all mixed into one person um so <laughs> it kind of makes sense to me um, right, so also, you know what's his... funny too is in uh in pretty much every iteration of batman alfred scenes are almost always some of the best parts funny enough um so i feel like everybody's kind of an alfred fan you know what i mean i really can't think of anybody who really hates the character of alfred no how could you what's there to hate yeah right he's just so good you know, he just gives his his little little tips and he's keeps batman a little bit centered where he should be yeah because he's batman's morality yeah you know exactly. he's they didn't touch on the uh backstory of uh michael kane's alfred too much no, i don't no, think no. but i thoroughly, you know that's i really enjoyed him yeah he was, he was amazing michael like, kane especially yeah. in the last one when he was like trying to you know he saw where this road was going mm-hmm. and he's like yeah. look at him he is a specimen you know you are you've been out of the game and this dude is like high trained you're going to get your ass kicked i mean not in so many words but right just that whole scene where he was oh, trying guess to... what happened that precise scenario yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> the ending of that Didn't film he... was cherry though mm-hmm. and what was yeah. it Paris or where was that I think it was Paris Rome or something oh Paris yeah that Certainly was so Europe, good but yeah so see good. that smile yeah I'm sorry Ryan I cut you off oh no I was gonna say I'm pretty sure that guy had a uh... That Alfred had military experience too, because isn't that where the "Some Men Want to Watch the World Burn" monologue yeah, came yeah, from? Oh yes, you just said Burma, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. That's like the only line where it's referenced, mm-hmm. but like it's so much more powerful for being the. That's kind of how it line. always is. 
Yeah, totally. Even at, at best in the comics, there was like Bruce always saw some lockbox under his bed or something, like just some little nugget that like there's something in there. But Alfred's packed it all away. But yeah, man, my I definitely want an Alfred movie more than I want to look at this Aquaman poster. I'll tell you that much. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I've been seeing little clips here and there of that new Aquaman film, and I'm not feeling it. I mean, I think the ladies are probably going to be going up for it more. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know that eye mm-hmm. candy effect going I mean forward. it might be really good sure. but I didn't really care for him and just I didn't care for Justice League period honestly no. it was not good never really cared for Aquaman altogether nah nah uh, nah nope. <laughs> I'm out <laughs> I'll wait for it to show up on DVD yeah. or something or at the library yeah so alright uh, one more I got here Hit Girl yeah Ooh, come on yep and I think That's in the comics, they even shifted focus to where she's kind of the... They did, well... She was the Kick-Ass mentor. is still going, but now Hit Girl has her own series, right. too. And, um, yeah, it's it's good. I like it, but it's, done, it's not done by Mark Millar like the main right. series is, which is the, my main attraction. Mm. He's so good. But um, And I think that's Ramita Jr., too. Yep. Rem- yeah, yeah. Kick-Ass series. Yeah, yeah, they're so good, but uh, yeah, uh, Hit Girls done by someone else. They're still good film, or excuse me, comics. But uh, yeah, to see that in film form would be amazing. Be cool. I've always wanted to see her like as an as an adult. If she's this lethal <laughs> as a child, you know, as a grown woman, you know, it'd be interesting if they played it up that even like in her, I don't know, mid twenties or something, where anyone else would be in their prime. She's been working it so hard since whenever that she's like. Already deteriorating. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's that's got cool. shitty that's, joints. That's really interesting. Yeah, like it's like Rocky Five. It right started too early, went at it too strong, and now when she should be her strongest, she's that wouldn't make it. a good film, though. No, <laughs> but I think it's interesting. <laughs> Still be good that's, fighting. That's in a there, good probably. third installment in the franchise. There you go. I don't want a movie where it ends with her like looking Physical over a therapy. pond at a sunset or any <laughs> shit like that. Feeding the no, dogs. she has to go to community college and get a degree and find herself. It'll be great. Yeah, uh, but those, I'm you know, those, see those her books. kill people, guys. That's what I'm getting at here. Grown hit girl killing people. Come on, hit lady. And with that, we got T-shirts. I have nothing else. You to like say. these nice smooth transitions we've <laughs> yeah. been using lately? I've given up on the transitions. I always Dude, try to come up with something clever, and it's just like, eh, why fuck. church it up? It's yeah. <laughs> buy a fucking shirt. <laughs> why try to put lipstick on a pig? <laughs> yeah. Just buy a decal, buy a mug, buy a T-shirt. The decals are nice, though. They really yeah, are. They Everything's are. really nice. I mean, We're, it's all nice, but I especially Ryan like can the contest decal. for the mugs. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a solid mug. It's hot and cold. Can't beat it. Here's Did you that? get the big one? Two things. Did you I get the got, big one or the smaller one? I got the $30 one, whatever that is. You got that's the Stein. The yeah, yeah, that's the big nice. one. Uh-huh. It's like a 20-ounce cup or something. Those late-night writing sessions, that does it. Then it's one trip to the kitchen, two trips to the bathroom before I need to refill. Perfect. There you go. We are happy to hold your coffee, and good on you, sir. That's that's just downright decent of you. You, too, can live this large if you go to society6.com forward slash pod. That's it, Jake. That's exactly it. Get yourself some tasty mites. That was we a good commercial. We have, good. We've got coasters for those coffee mugs now. Oh, do we? Yeah. Tint. Yeah. See? i got to buy me a set of those. I want to have those I think so. I want to, yeah. For all seasons, we're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All seasons. All right. Let's go open the door to the comic vault. Who would like to go first? I'm not going first. I moderate this bullshit. Don't look at me. I will go first. Because <laughs> uh, this week I would like to talk to you about Eat More Bikes. 
uh, a name I still can't quite get to the bottom of. If you want to read this fantastic comic, and you do, you head to eatmorebikes.tumblr.com. Easy to find, or you could Google the phrase "eat more bikes" because there's not a lot of competition for that. Uh, for that URL. Oh, it's taken. <laughs> Guess I'll be XX eat more bikes XX. Um, they're they're generally four panels, with three that kind of set up a punchline, and a fourth that circumvents the punchline with a an entirely different punchline that makes very little sense. And they're phenomenal. Let me give you an example. Uh, we've got the first one here, a gentleman in a hat describing a woman he encountered. He said, In she walked, the leggiest dame I had ever seen. Legs so long, they touched out of space. Hard cuts to a woman floating through space, clearly rotten and dead, probably for months. <laughs> so it didn't quite work out for. Uh, another one that's pretty good, <laughs> a mother and her child. And the child says, Mama, where's Rover? said, oh, he went to live on a farm upstate with lots of other dogs. Oh, okay, Mama. Hard cut to the dead dog farm upstate. Oh, <laughs> man. Acres of dead dogs. And that's that's the kind of thing you can come to expect from Eat More Bikes. <laughs> and let me tell you, it does not disappoint. So please, check it out. It's when you have a name like that, it doesn't leave an impression. You're so right, you're left like, wide okay. open that anything that follows it could make sense. Like, mm, yeah. All right, Bastard. sure. <laughs> like bikes, crimes you for strangeness. Yeah. And I got to tell you, lately my tastes have been geared more towards the weird. Well, that you don't musician. Say. You don't say that <laughs> videos that you showed us earlier. I'd love to imagine we'll have him on the show one day. We'll see how it plays. Who was it again? Tell the listeners. Jack Stauber. Jack Stelber. Who, man, since I discovered his stuff, things are different now. My life has changed. I'm like watching <laughs> this shit all the time. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know. Oh, this you don't is, have to apologize. We're all into our, our thumb. The generational gap has never been wider. <laughs> <laughs> we'll close it. Yeah, we'll get okay. there. Okay. We'll get there. All right. Very good. Very good. Uh, so now, uh, ca- or, shit, excuse me. Uh, wrong page. Ryan, would you like to go next? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I uh, Guys, I had a big weekend this weekend. I finally treated myself to reading um, a manga series that has been on my top five to read things for like ever. And I finally this weekend, to celebrate the success of Prometheus, I said, I'll finally get to read it. Uh, it's a manga series called Pluto, spelled like the planet. Um, and one of my favorite things about comics is some of my favorite comics you almost can't pitch. It's just they're so well executed that they're so moving. Um, this is a series that takes place in semi-distant future, not totally Blade Runner future, but a fair bit ahead of our own that robots have integrated into our society. Um, and it's following this great war in Asia where a couple dictatorships kind of join forces and then the rest of the allied forces stop them. So now peace is in the land and a detective... Uh, has discovered that in this war, seven robots were enlisted to fight. And normally robots weren't able to, like, harm other things, but they allowed these seven robots to wage war. Um, And one by one, they all start getting murdered. So you can imagine it's sort of a uh, dystopian, kind of Blade Runner-y Watchmen kind of uh, mechanic of the comic. I love Um, every element of that. (laughs) Right? Yeah, it is just beautiful the pacing is incredible the you know kind of has those like manga interludes where you just have these like character stories that are just super super effective um and there's a huge cameo i think in the second volume so you probably have to read about like like four or five chapters to get to it um that it'll take you a second to realize who the cameo is but it was 
the author of this had this idea, reached out to an author of a massive, massive, popular, classic piece of IP, and just got this character included in the series purely out of goodwill. Um, so it's, it's, I love reading manga because it's contained. It's one person's complete artistic vision. So if you ever want to treat yourself, it's all out. It's all available. You can go get up Barnes and Noble whenever they have a sale or else you can go on Google and do some pirating if you want. But, uh, it, it, it it's just so awesome. It's, it's so rare that one, things are really amazing. And then two, they're amazing and they're worth the hype. Like I'm officially one of the fanboys. I'm in the series. Pluto is just incredible they've been trying to make it into a movie for like 20 years i guess but uh oh, the cop but it's one of these things where because of all the different characters included in it, the copyright is very complicated so it may never happen but um man it's awesome you know i i probably shouldn't be asking this having a comics podcast and all but what exactly is manga what, what what's the what is it what separates it from a so, normal comic you read it backwards no, totally <laughs> that's you it read it you backwards it. No, that's, that's, that's it any, no, that's if you read anything backwards, it's manga. If you read a restaurant menu backwards at Ruby Tuesdays, that is now manga. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so it's it's pretty cool. I, I studied this a little bit um, in college. So we have our American comics market, um, and in Japan, Japanese comics and their comic market grew almost entirely independent of ours. Um, their comics were started actually like similar to how ours did. They just evolved from political cartoons and newspaper strips into their own comic um world that is as vibrant as our marvel and dc is here um but the very cool thing to me is um it was whose book was it hang on i gotta sit right here oh man what a perfect man it's been so much coincidence on this uh on this call i was just rereading this book last night scott mcleod's understanding comics which is pretty cool to read if you ever want to read it's kind of the seminal text on comics and the visual medium he broke down that comic panels um, can really be narrowed down into one of six different kind of shots. No matter what's happening in a panel, it fits one of these six categories. And American comics, to make it easy, we'll call them categories one through six. American comics are about 90% categories one through three, and manga is about 80%, four, five, and six, is to, to kind of explain how different of a uh, visual medium they are. Um, so they're similar in the sense that they're both comic books. They're, manga is just Japan's comic market. They're just called, they just call them they call it manga instead of comic books. Um, but I continue to use that term because manga is a significantly different form of expression than American comic books are. Isn't it kind of like how anime is cartoons? It's just sort of Japan. Well put, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, mangas are comics, anime, right. cartoon. Yeah. I keep it simple. Yeah, it's like, no, it's it's like a choose your own adventure book. If you, want to, if you want the director's cut with the mouth of Sauron, you can listen to Ryan's five minute rant, or else you can just watch the theatrical version and just get that version. Yes, it's sort of like that. But manga, it's actually a lot different than that. Manga has lots of eccentricities that make it different than American comic books. All right. Well, um, the nice thing is they don't really hand off series. A creator, yeah, no, check it out. It's worth it. If this is going to be your first manga, I recommend it strongly. Are they mostly black and white? Because all the ones I've ever seen are. Are they do? Yeah, them? it's a, it's sort of like an honor thing to get um, colored pages because they're all released in the compendium. Well, most of the Shonen Jump series, at least, which are all the big ones that you'd probably think of, like Dragon Ball Z or Naruto or any of the or One yeah. Piece, they come out every week in that big magazine that's that's just one chapter of each of them so every week you pay like six bucks and you get the big thing and you get like 10 pages of each series i'm imagining like a very hard like usagi yojimbo style kind of artwork and spread no yes yeah. no i don't maybe so i don't know i don't, I don't really look too much 
No, they're all they all have their own kind of feel to them. But the character design and again their sense of a lot of like the 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 combat in manga is where you see um, like what's his name um, Umberto Ramos who, who was on Spider Man for a while. He's a very uh, manga inspired artist, probably one of the more popular ones. But a lot of other people do too. But you should check. They, it also has its own kind of trappings and cliches and different like we like you know. If, just just everything's like beefcake poses and stuff like that. We're like, oh yeah, that's just kind of part of comics. That probably to someone else, like someone who doesn't know comics thinks it's weird. There's plenty of weird things in manga that to an American audience you're gonna think it's very strange. Um, even if you know manga, you still think it's pretty strange. But if you're ever if you've ever wanted to try manga, Pluto to bring it all full circle is definitely a mainstream, palatable, well executed manga. That they're a very low barrier to entry for you to try out manga with this book. You know, I I think I. I really have to because I'm I'm not a big manga fan. But that being said, I haven't really given it a fair shake. You know, mm-hmm. I've sort of shied away from it. I've, and you know, I've really skirted amazing. around Berserk a few times. I feel like that's the oh, one that, like, God. thematically would would connect with me. But I don't know. Berserk it seems is, an imposing thing to jump into. It really is. But the, the best thing about manga, here's the big thing I would say, like one of the like the real big difference to me is that manga has been doing for years what image comics has only just started doing like manga there isn't really like a like you know there's all these like dragon ball z and one piece and berserk with all these kind of classic series but it's it's a creator comes up with an idea and he tells his story whether it's 20 chapters um like like some smaller series or 700 chapters like one piece and that's it people you get to know characters characters become relevant you fall in love with them and they die get manga feel <laughs> manga feels a lot like game of thrones does there's a lot more consequence and there's 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 still editorial edict for some of these bigger series which is like goku's died and come back to life like seven times um but for the most part there's much more consequence in manga and there there's just a lot more focus um so i find there's less filler um and it's just kind of what they always build to is, is some pretty really impressive stuff like i said like the guy who wrote one piece is I think he's like 800 chapters in. I mean, there's a, there's a manga that's 1,300, which a chapter is as long as an issue. So he's 1,300 chapters in. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 and I mean, the other amazing thing too is, I mean, they still sell, I think One Piece has sold like over 100 million volumes compared to, you know, if Batman sells 60,000 issues, they like throw a firework fiesta over at the DC office, you know? Um, <laughs> so it's, it's very much its own. There it is. Got it in there. there. I had to. But yeah, I, I really, I really recommend some of them. Again, they, it has its own camp and cliches that can be uh, tricky for American audience to palate if you, don't, if you don't quite know what you're getting into. But Pluto is super, super mainstream and super palatable and a good introduction to what the medium has to offer. Awesome. There you have it. Very good. Boom. I'm excited to check it out. I Absolutely. do need to at least poke around the genre. Yeah, and yeah. I, I have to. I mean, right? Sitting here doing a co- podcast about right. comics. It's mm-hmm. one of those things I used to dislike just on principle, you know, just for no real reason. Oh, I'm like, God. yeah, blah, blah. the only one missing out <laughs> is me, you know, with yeah. that kind of attitude. So why not? <laughs> Very good. Jack, would you like to go next or you want me to? Sure, I'll go next. Got an old comic from Vertigo called Preacher. Full of things you can and cannot say on a podcast. Oh yeah, I was telling Jake about some of the the uh, the cop in it, and he had said a lot of words that I would really opt not to say right now. But Fair the enough. story itself is about there was a being that was created from the love of an angel and a demon. Okay. In heaven, they were keeping it under wraps because they didn't want it to get out, but it. It broke out and it went to Earth and they're shitting their pants. The angels are because it's looking for. They know it's looking for a soul and if 
it ends up taking over a human. The humans are going to find out all this knowledge and stuff of the world. So the human that it ends up going into is actually his name, Jesse Custer, the preacher. He was given a sermon one day at a packed house at his church. It's the first time it had ever been that packed. When they, it flew in, they said they described it as a uh, comet with a infant's face. <laughs> Come flying in the church, slammed into Jesse. He knocked down, got knocked down, and might as well have been a nuclear explosion. Wiped out the whole town, pretty much. It was in there. Wow. Come to phone later on, uh, his ex girlfriend from five years prior. They were on again, off again. She was on his way back to town because she was trying to find him for some reason. I'm not that far into the story, even though I've been watching the series, but the series. On TV is different. It's a little bit different. Right. It's based on it. There's a lot of different stuff in there. And she's running around with an Irish vampire. So there he's An Irish vampire? <laughs> he's hilarious. I and want to suck your, ble- your beer. They find out that Racist. God has... D- Nothing? Was that, was that bad? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I fucked it up anyway. No, they end up finding out that God has left heaven and nobody knows where, is it, where he is at. So Fishing, they go on presumably. a quest to, to try to find him. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're getting hunted by this guy named the Saint of Killers that the angels put a hit out on the preacher to kill him. So they get the... It's called Genesis. That's the being that's inside him. How uh, how many of these did you read? Is this like a first trade or? I've got the whole trade. This is the first two chapters. First two chapters. Yes. All right. Sounds interesting. I've always been curious about it. I'm like, if it's good enough to land its own show, it's gotta right. it's gotta have some redeemable quality. It just I want to take the third season on too. So. Yeah, same. But uh, it the when first it, season it came, is it came based... out really during the heyday of Vertigo too. Talk What's that? that? Stepped all over you. So stepped all over you. So that really came out during kind of the heyday of Vertigo, like post, uh, like post Sandman, um, when Vertigo was really like some prestige kind of comic book making. Um, and again, I thought that was one series that was really worth the hype. When I, I didn't read it until maybe four years ago. Um, I just always heard of it like, oh man, have you read Preacher? Preacher's like the best. Blah blah blah. Man, Preacher is, Preacher's awesome. That is good. I'll have to check it out. It's violent it. and word, bad word heavy. All get out. <laughs> Bring it around next time. I we'll got just... a digital. I don't have it. Oh, then that convenient. <laughs> isn't that convenient? What a cop out. <laughs> it's like you copy and paste each page. The 350 book tray. That's really all right. good. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, what I have this week is a comic book that we picked up at Wizard World Con. I think we each all got one of these from our friend Brian Lau. Uh, staunch we ambition. And I want to thank him again for this. Um, you know, we've we've had Brian on the show a few times, uh, some to talk about this comic, others just to hang out and talk of all-time topics. Uh, was it just the three of us? Were you on an all-time I've missed both of those, actually. You've missed both. both You've never yeah. done one. No. I, thought, hmm. I was See, ready for it, but something Now I feel the format for... has to stay that no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, obviously. We've got a bunch of them coming up. <laughs> no, we're going to do another one with him. But Next six weeks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. They were uh, they were a blast, and we're going to do more in the future. But um, no, he gave us each uh, issue three autographed, and I sat down with it and read it over the weekend. And I want to be careful first and foremost uh, talking about this because uh, some people we have on the show are very just free going and just you can say whatever you want about the book. Not to say that Brian isn't, but if I remember correctly, he likes to kind of play newer stuff closer to the chest. So I yeah. want to be kind of vague. With what I'm talking about here, I feel like this is this is fairly new, uh, this issue here. But it's 
set in the future with a super advanced technology that kind of allows you to wonder like dream dreamscapes supernatural scapes i don't yeah, quite I, I understand think his elevator it. pitch was like technology is advanced to the point where like the next big frontier is the supernatural exactly and in this in this existence there are these beings made they're like they're clones of human animal splice hybrids that they call splicers and they are simply made to serve humanity and mostly most of the time these things are like mindless beings that just do exactly what they're told but you have one by the name of Azarus who's Man, I hope I'm not telling too much. Brian, forgive me if I am. But Azarus, he starts having um, independent thoughts, feelings, questions. He's gaining a sense of humanity to himself. And one thing about this book that I'm just tiptoeing around. Again, I don't want to spoil anything. One thing about this book that really stands out is the artwork. Uh, it's so freaking gorgeous. It's phenomenal. It, it complements the story so well. And there are moments when he's questioning his own being, his own whatever you would call it. Am I human? Do I have a god? Is there a god for me? You know, they, they do shots of his eyes that you can really see humanity in there. You know, it's, yeah. it's so good. Let me see if I can open up an example here to show you. I feel bad because I haven't <clears throat> read them. Right here. I mean, look at this artwork. It's fantastic. The expression I'm trying to reach is extraordinary. Sorry, I didn't see your hand. I was holding the book up in front of you. (laughs) Look at that, though. Yeah. And the way this uh, comic plays out, you know, kind of like you, Jack, we've talked with Brian, had him on the show, and I I know we've looked over these comics before, but having actually sat down and, like, delved into them, I have not. So it's, it's cool to know somebody. We've known Brian for what, like a year, year and a half now? And to see what's going on in this guy's head now. (laughs) And I mean that in the best possible way, because this was so good and in-depth. And it's technical. I don't know how else to explain it, but you need to check it out. It's really good. It's it's, it's on par with uh, something that should be on an image image shelf, I believe. Isn't he putting together uh, like audio tracks to read with it? Uh, I remember something like that. Similar. He's like scoring it, kind of. Yeah. And and I'm not just talking about this because Candare is featured on the back page <laughs> of the comic book. That's just a nice little privilege. But uh, I want to thank Brian for putting us in there. And I do strongly recommend checking out Staunch Ambition. Great book. You will not be disappointed. The covers are eye-catching as hell, too. Oh, the it's covers, the, as so beautiful it, as yeah. they are, are just the cherry on the cupcake mm. of the artwork that's inside. And, you know, good artwork and a subpar story can go so far. But a great story with great artwork, yeah. man, you can't go wrong. And that's exactly... Tastes. That taste great together. I got Thank both you, my Jake. catchphrases in this episode. Yeah. Good on you, buddy. Woo. I'm proud of you. <laughs> That'll All be right. the title of this episode, Catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> we'll think about it. We'll, we'll just sidestep <laughs> all of the incredible <laughs> topics we've covered. We'll talk about that. All right. Well, with that behind us, let's just turn our full attention right over to Ryan and talk about Prometheus again. Ryan, I want to thank you again for being back with us. And if you could start by reintroducing Prometheus to uh, some of our listeners who may not have uh, checked out the previous episode you were on. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Prometheus is a continuation of the Greek myth of Prometheus. And for those who don't know, Prometheus was a titan who stole the flame of knowledge from the gods of Olympus and gave it to the mortal man, uh, which is was the flame of knowledge, which they say is what kickstarted our civilization and gave us the ability to invent and create. 
Uh, and for that, he scared the gods, giving mankind such power. So he was imprisoned for what they thought would be all of eternity to suffer at the hands of this villainous construct of Olympus known as the Eagle. Uh, in my, and that's all classic Greek mythology. But in my series, we flash to the modern day and find Prometheus has somehow escaped what they thought would be eternal torment. So he's rushed to Earth, excited and captivated to see what humanity and all their good graces did with his gift of endless knowledge. And he finds our immortal world with pop culture and all its flaws and problems and quickly realizes, holy crap, someone stole the flame of knowledge, stole the thing I suffered for. Uh, and he goes on sort of a John Wick style revenge quest to hunt it down and uh, get it back. And boy, what a fun read that was. I, I definitely loved that one scene where, uh, like you were saying, he first comes back into this world and he's realizing all this. You see him sitting on a park bench and just above him, like all like the the Twitter, the YouTube, all that kind of stuff. Just weighing down. nonsense. And when you even saw it in that context altogether, like that weighing on him, you can kind of like almost feel that weight a little bit yourself. Like, like oh, wow, there's Jesus. a lot of bullshit out there, isn't yeah. there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I put in the script, I put something on the lines of, he, I, think, I said, I think he scrolls around online and sees everything that's wrong with the world. Um, and then I just let the artist kind of do what made sense to him and uh i think it just kind of spoke so like you said just that universal experience of being like oh, on your worst day just being like man everything's kind of terrible sometimes huh yeah for um, sure yeah he just nailed it great portrayal of, of that excuse me i can't talk let me start that again a great portrayal of that well done got it <laughs> I, I tell you i'm i'm a real sucker for this concept i love mythology I love taking mythological stories and mm-hmm. putting them in new settings. It's got this kind of roving, gritty, almost American gods sort of feel. Sure. And I, I, I love the idea of taking something totally archaic, you know, gods. We don't live in a polytheistic world, thrusting them into the modern world, and, and the story just takes full advantage of that. And I don't know. It's it's, right. it's very much my angle, you know. Sure. So I'm always yep. stoked. I like it, too. Uh, well i think my my favorite thing to write about if i had to narrow it down is i would say subgenre i'm a big subgenre nerd um because one thing when i try to get people in the comics i say what i like about comics is you go to the movies and you know with some exceptions of some caveats you're seeing action horror drama what have you right and comics we just have so many little bubbles that to all of us are so kind of fully formed like like what you just said uh the idea of modernizing, like modern grounded riffs on gods is a whole subtext, sub facet of the comic book world that to us is super ripe. And, and, you know, we could all go back and forth thinking different examples or things that have really done some fun stuff with it. Um, so this was serious, was really just kind of playing with all those other things. I love the American gods. I love God of War. Um, even I like that new Wonder Woman series a fair bit um, and just kind of playing with it and then also trying to find something new to bring to the space too, which was my angsty friend Prometheus. So what can we expect now out of the third issue that was just successfully funded on Kickstarter? Congratulations, yeah. by the way. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, really proud of that. We broke our all-time record number of backers, so a whole bunch of new people in the Prometheus family. You always do well on Kickstarter, yeah, sir. We're looking at that. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, one thing I'm really proud of is I don't, promote it through any of my personal channels i only like you know this isn't me shaking down every cousin and uh friend or you know old soccer teammate i've ever had um which is no offense to any other kickstarter person anywhere on kickstarter everyone's got to do their thing um but you know the, the indie com community is really just an awesome awesome place um a lot of receptive people obviously just like you, you guys were the first interview i ever had all those years ago is that um, right 
Yeah, yeah, for Lonesome's number one. You guys were the first guys uh, I snuck into my boss's office and talked to you guys during my lunch break at work one day. I don't want to say no to an interview, so I guess I should just... Fortunately, they all went out to lunch that day, and I, I was like, oh, I got some paperwork to finish up, and then I snuck into the boss's office with the, the good computer and talked to you guys on that. I'm going to have to go um, listen to it again yeah. now with the knowing that. They grow up so fast. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear someone in the uh, background, what the fuck's wrong? Right? <laughs> <laughs> there is an ass-kicking on the way. Um... But yeah, now we should permit uh, issues one and two, which were uh, a single uh, oversized issue, shipped to 24 countries, which is pretty rad, too. Uh, so we're all over the place. This place, I just had a, um, I got information to find out what it takes to ship a comic book to Kuwait. Uh, for oh, Prometheus wow. is going there. Yeah, all over the place. Um, but anyway, after, after all those nice pats on the back, to get back to your question. Um, so the first two issues... Prometheus met uh, the remnants of Olympus. And, man, here we go. It's it's that time again, a Prometheus interview. It's time for me to say Olympus has fallen in my modern world. Of <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, God, it's, I can't get away from it. It's just, one, it really does sound cool. Um, and two, it, it's actually the only really way to describe it. Um, so Prometheus is, has been meeting and having confrontations and or conversations uh, with the various previous inhabitants of, of Olympus he stumbled across. So in issue three, he's going to get a challenge he wasn't quite ready for in the form of Dionysus, who is the god basically of having a good time. And that's not made up. That really is Greek mythology. I thought that um, was me. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. That's hysterical. <laughs> um, so he's going to run into her and um, send so out now to really ping pong from there. Uh, so this story is a lot about this guy dealing with um, some of his frustration, some of his anguish for what his life turned into. So in this issue, um, he's going to see a very different way to kind of handle um, pain and his thoughts on, on the world in the form of Dionysus. And there are conflicting viewpoints on, now that Olympus is gone, how they should carry on with their future, where he's dead set on finding the flame that's come to define him, and she offers him sort of a different way of life or a different track. Um, also, But not to be too heavy, it also features a lot of my fan fiction for Avatar The Last Airbender and uh, some of the paneling and some of the conflict that ensues. You mentioned Dionysus, and I'd seen sure. a video on your Kickstarter page, and uh, you, you've chosen to portray Dionysus as a woman here. Was that done for any particular reason, or just I personally, I, I like the idea of gods being, you know, conceptual, kind of interchangeable when sure. it comes to appearance, gender, all of that sort of thing, but... Was there any specific motivation behind that decision? It was really um, combing through it all. I looked at more God's family trees than I knew what to do with. Um, and I found <laughs> that hers flickered, or well, this Dionysus as, a, as an entity flickered between male and female at different, um, different iterations, different translations I looked at. Um, so I found that this one was um, the less depicted one. So it just seemed, honestly, it just seemed like more, more fresh ground. Um, to build her character and it just seemed like a really cool opportunity um, to kind of build up this stronger supporting character to go with the version of it that hadn't really been depicted before because the version with all of this is you know you, you don't want to fall into the trappings of like we got to meet Hercules, Zeus, and Apollo right and you're going through the laundry like, you know, list check, check all those you know, boxes yeah right you know, like I said it's all about that subgenre and trying to really dive into this and, and bring something new to it um, which is also why they end up at a boxed wine factory in New Jersey <laughs> but <laughs> Um, so that, that was really the goal there. That is awesome. Cause you know, it's, you could have had just another pudgy guy with rosy cheeks and, you know, a laurel <laughs> crown or whatever the hell. And it would have been the same image everyone's been seeing since old oh. Disney cartoons. But I think, I think there's something special about, about 
redefining a myth without changing at its core what makes it poignant. You know, because yeah. like the biggest pitfall with this thing, it's got to be stagnation, right? You feel compelled to portray a thing one way or the other. You can sidestep that, and you're not even necessarily taking liberties. You're just choosing a different aspect to personify. I think that's awesome, especially for this subject matter. Well, I think with with her too, it's you know again a, mo- a a very standard storytelling trope with this is which god which gods in our modern world would be more powerful? Right? I'm thinking which ones have- <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I I. I um, I can't, I'm not sure if I told you guys this or not. I came up with this. I came up with three script ideas my last day of college, um, and this this was one of the three. Um, so I was in peak kind of American party culture, which is I was like, <laughs> oh man, she would be turbocharged Super Saiyan five in in our modern world. <laughs> that whole pantheon. Now tell me, and not that I think you're obligated when you touch one pantheon to hit all the others. Had you considered at any point bringing in other mythologies, other cultures, or do you want to stick with the Greek Olympian aspect and keep it focused? So this series was originally conceived. So the way I write most of my series now is I get my idea that I get all excited about and I think is the coolest thing ever. And I usually write about a 100-page document, um, and then I chop that up into I see if that's four issues or five issues. And then based on my publishing initiatives and all kind of exciting things like that, I figure out uh, kind of how to whittle it down. So this was originally conceived uh, as five issues that has a clear ending. I've known the ending and what happened to the flame since I started writing it, um, which we will get to. It looks like in 2018, if not 2018, by probably February or March 2019. So um, pretty soon. And then it was always going to be for that initial run, Greek mythology, um, which is it's like I said, how this world, this subculture keeps evolving. God of War just kind of blew the lid off of what if we just start making them all crossover? <laughs> yeah. Um but there is, you know, and, and bring our conversation full circle with sequels and side characters and whatnot. There is other things I'd like to do with it, depending how into it people are. So we'll see. But like this one, I think we were like $20 short of matching our issue one Kickstarter, which is pretty awesome, too, to not have any. It's more people, and we made almost the exact same amount of money again. So if people are cool rolling with it, I will I'll keep talking about Prometheus and you know, the Boatman, one of Chris's designs for issue two, and Cerebus as well, were some of my favorite designs he's done. Um, and these guys are all, at least at the moment, are still kicking around our little world. So we shall see. Awesome. Well, hell, we'll be there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Now, having just been successfully funded on Kickstarter, how soon can uh, listeners get their hands on issue three if they weren't able to back the first go around? Sure. So we, so all my comics are fully completed before I go to Kickstarter. That's my cool slogan. Sales Good pitch. on you, Ryan. <laughs> yes, indeedy. Um, so now I'm waiting for all my backers, which I'm going to retweet this a whole bunch whenever it goes live. So my backers, if you're hearing this, send me your backer surveys, um, which should be done by the end of the week. Uh, and those are essential because everyone who backs the book goes onto the thank you page and becomes part of the Prometheus legend. That's very important to me. Um, so they should be going to the printer on Friday, which I have my books printed domestically here in the United States of America. Uh, up in Sacramento, where I'm based in Los Angeles. So I should have hard copies of issue three a week from Friday. Um, so backers will be getting their copies the week following that, which is usually I try to get them to people within three weeks after the Kickstarter is fully funded. Nice. Look at that machine. That, yeah. You, you yep. can't get that anywhere else. Come on now. Come Screaming on. off the press. Um, and then, They're still warm well, then, when you open them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then I get to start defining different games of, you know, I shipped to so many different states and countries, and literally, it, it's almost like, like the Purge or something. Every mailman gets to figure out his own way of making the mail happen. 
Um, so it, so usually about 10% in the back of my doorstep at some point, but they all get there. That That's also guaranteed. So they all happen, and then uh, issue four is out of the way, so the series is rolling. And then I don't know if I've told you guys about this much, but I have five series going right now, so I'm going to be launching something on Kickstarter about every six weeks until next June as of now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, it's worked for you so far. Then yeah. I'm moving to Mexico. We'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Um, that's, that's a lot of work. Join Damn. a monastery, yeah. take a vow of silence. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Prometheus 4 right now is scheduled for September with the trade, which will be um, all four issues plus issue five, which will be an extended issue. This is the cool part about self-publishing. The finale might be 30 pages, might be 40 pages. It's whatever I really want it to be. Um, landing by January or February. So the nice thing, too, is that the the book is very much alive. It's not going to be kind of waiting a year, year and a half for me to return from the ether with 20 more golden pages of Prometheus to throw at people. Are you telling us Ryan gets to come over and play again in September? <laughs> it could very well be. I am fucking down. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> That's awesome. Consider it done. We will gladly have you back. If should you like to come back, I'm seeing that this is your fourth visit. So I think, uh, yeah, we've done something right, right? To have yeah. you come back. I'm coming for that five timers club. I'm there we are. Yep. Free sub. Get a free sub. Damn it. You beat son ya. of a bitch. <laughs> I beat you. All right. Well, Ryan, is there anywhere else people should be checking you out in the meantime? Uh, people should be following me on Twitter at Mr. Ryan Comics. That's M R R Y A N Comics, C O M I C S. That's the best place to keep up with Prometheus. Uh, my next comic, The Crude Night, which is launching the second week of August, which will have the first eight pages featured in the back of Prometheus number three. Um, and you can hear about my other three mysterious series that will be rolling out through the rest of 2018 and 2019. I can't wait mm. to hear about them. Damn right. Oh, and also, you know, just to say this because there's a little crossover, I love talking to anyone else in the indie comic community or anyone that's ever wanted to make a comic book. Uh, the cool thing about the internet is that all the walls have fallen down and there's no reason we can't all talk to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, so if anybody wants to know about making comics, getting into comics, like I said, it was just a year and a half ago, I was making my very first, first book happen. I very shyly tweeted a random podcast called Canned Air that had a profile picture <laughs> of a mug that I wasn't sure what I was anyone else <laughs> into. What the fuck? <laughs> Um, but yeah, please, please. Uh, I'm very active on Twitter. I love Twitter. I love what I do. So if anybody ever has questions or comments or I haven't gotten even had my first Twitter feud yet. If someone thinks what I'm making is absolute garbage, please let me know why I should stop making comics completely. Let me just say to anyone who's making comics that what Ryan has just offered you here, and I'm not being <laughs> funny in, in the slightest. This is an uncommon thing. It's a little chunk of gold. Like when we were starting podcasting, it was hard to find anybody who wanted to offer any assistance that wasn't didn't have their hand out wanting some money in return yeah. for it. Yeah, you can find some advice here and there, but... I can't tell you how many times, even to this day, I would kill to sit down with somebody who knows what they're talking about and just ask them all the questions I have. And that's what Ryan is offering to somebody who's in, wanting to get into the field of comics. That's valuable, valuable information. And I uh, advise anybody who is curious to take him up on that because, uh, well, shit, we've, we've seen his work. It's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. It's gorgeous. So, Ryan, I want to thank you once again. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to have you on, it seems like, quite a bit here. I think Just so. let us know when you want to come yeah. on and we'll get a spot uh, scheduled for you. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, guys. I always enjoy it. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com or you can check out our special guests, listen to the show, follow us on our social media. Visit the Hall of Heroes to see the Wall of Justice. Check out some of the videos from our YouTube page. 
And if you'd like to give us a comment or complaint or just say hi, send us an email on our contacts page. And don't forget, we are at CannedAirPod on Twitter and at Canned underscore Air on Instagram. We're at CannedAirPod on Facebook, too. Oh, we also yes, like we're kind of low on likes on that page. Yeah. I try to do what I can. What's the deal? People like us. Yeah. I think we're likable. I thought so. We're cool guys. We can get some yucks here and there, right? We'll figure yeah. it out. Though. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, like us, they won't. I'm not going to try to convince anybody that you do or you don't, right? <laughs> Failed marketing. Real attempt. winning at it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you like us, maybe you don't. Kiss my ass. Get a bunch of pity likes now. <laughs> These guys are whining. They're so me. sad. Oh, speaking of pity, go over to wow. uh, on Twitter at What If Series. Give us a follow. <laughs> a new series we have in the uh, in the works here that we are going to hopefully be launching in the September October area. I would almost area. say in the chamber. This one's just about ready to go. It's getting there. The shows, a lot of the episodes have been recorded. We have uh, some more to go, but it's, it's shaping up so nice, and I can't wait for it to release. There are some who uh, who dispute <laughs> the release, but uh, that's okay. We'll we'll learn to all get along. I think so. Anyway, at What If Series, check it out. Give us a follow and be on board. Be in the know when that show drops. Anything else, guys? Nope. Nah. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Ryan Little sometimes. <laughs> Only sometimes. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. James Bond. James Bond Jr. Look out, he's coming through. He's got a job to do while he rescues the girl. James Bond Jr. chases around the world. I can't wait to see this movie. But wait, Timmy's blind. But what am I supposed to do? Why not try a podcast? Spirit! Spirit. All the comic and pop culture entertainment you could want in the Candair podcast. Finally, a form of entertainment not fully reliant on visual stimulation. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! She's coming to town to, uh, what was it? Make it happen. Let me know what you find. Here, here's another... God damn it, the Rolling Stones can kiss my ass. Whoa. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.